The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is our Week 10 Sunday recap, breaking down all the action from a pretty insane weekend. Joining me to do so, Ryan Wilson in shirt and tie from Stanford, Connecticut, and John Breach, who just randomly threw on a Brinson Sucks hat that makes his head look even smaller than it normally does. I don't wear it enough. You know, I found it's really quite the fashion uh, statement to wear this. And so I think I'm going to start wearing it more. You should. I wonder how long it would take you to like, before somebody would be like, are you, are you talking about Wilbur? Like, like how long do you think you would have to wear that hat before somebody said something to you? A year. Probably. I don't ever go out in public. So that's the problem. He would leave it at the murder scene and then that would be a whole thing. <laughs> Would that that be the the purpose of that is to frame me or like what how does that work? I don't he's, know. You know, he's he's a he's a weird. Type. I mean, the whole bit is that he's a serial killer, so who knows why he does what he does? By the way, congratulations to Dustin Johnson for winning the 2020 Masters. Uh, if you're not if you're not listening already, you should check it out. The uh, First Cut podcast did an incredible job breaking down all things Augusta. Go check that out. And uh, yeah, the boys deserve a break. Where golf gets right back into swing. 140 days, so like 144 days till the next Masters, which is insane. Patriots Ravens is where we'll start, though. Patriots 23, Ravens 17. A shocking upset is Bill Belichick, a uh, home underdog of seven and a half points. It actually closed at six and a half, so there's plenty of steam on the Patriots. Wins in a, it wasn't a pretty game, but they ran the ball. Cam Newton made some plays. Jacoby Myers threw a touchdown pass. Uh, Damian Harris had 121 rushing yards on 22 carries and the Patriots moved to four and five and frankly put themselves right back in the playoff and AFC's discussion in my humble opinion. Agree or disagree, Ryan? I agree. There are four teams out of the final playoff spot if we're going to seven teams per conference. Um, so obviously that changes. We go to eight teams depending on what happens, but I will disagree with the fact that it was an ugly football game. I actually thought it was a pretty good football game given how terrible the conditions were. It was probably one of the cleanest games the Patriots have played this year, which is sort of funny given that it was torrential downpours and uh, gusting winds at times. Uh, and here's the other thing. So terrible weather. Ugly, ugly is the wrong word for it. It was just sort it of high octane. It wasn't high octane. Yeah. That, it was, I, it was a meat grinder. It was a high school football game where the quarterbacks on both teams aren't very good. Yeah. And you have good running games, but I will say this. Oh, also, I forgot to say, Hey, Hey, Breach. How do you, how do we, how do we say, Hey, no, never mind. Oh, we made fun of the hat. the hat. Yeah. That's right. But I will say this, like the Patriots understood the conditions as Breach throws the hat away and they leaned on the running game. Didn't ask Cam to do too much. Cam actually scored another touchdown. By the way, Cam came to this game with two passing touchdowns, seven interceptions and eight rushing touchdowns. Added a pass and a rushing touchdown in this game. On the other side, the uh, Ravens had 34 pass attempts from Lamar. And I know they trail for a little bit, but you can still run the ball in, in this game, even though you, they were down at one point. 
they had 30 rush attempts, and they don't. They felt like they didn't know who to give the ball to when it came to rushing. J.K. Dobbins barely touched the ball. They had Gus Edwards. Uh, Mark Ingram was back. And um, in addition to the last drive where it looked like the, the Ravens thought they had 15 minutes left to play and they were just sort of lack, lackadaisical uh, on that final drive, the thing that drove me crazy was the fourth and short. I don't know if it's one Ugh. or two. You have them playing wide receiver. And Mark Ingram taking a snap. Mascara hasn't been able to snap the ball all, all day because of the weather or he's hurt or whatever. And you, you lose eight, nine yards. Like, why do you have Lamar Jackson if you're going to line up there like Joe Flacco during Lamar Jackson's rookie year? Um, this is a huge loss for the Ravens because we'll talk about it, but the Browns won and the Steelers won. It's a huge win for the Patriots, as you alluded to, because the, the we'll talk about this, the, the Bills lost and the Dolphins also won. So, uh, things are tightening up. Yeah. They are. I would say uh, I agree with everything you said, except for that very first thing, Ryan, about the Patriots being back in the playoff race. I just don't feel it. I'm not seeing it. And here's my problem is that if you look at the AFC standings, uh, you have nine teams, nine teams that have at least six wins. And uh, here's the problem. That's never been done before. That, this is the first time you've ever had that through 10 weeks in one conference. Um, so if you're the Patriots right now, you're the 10th seat. You have four wins. So you're, you're two games behind. So you have to have so many things fall in your way, but also have at least three of these teams tank. I mean, and you just look at who's in front of them and you know, who's the most likely to tank here, the, the Browns, the Titans, the Ravens. There's just, you need a lot of things to happen. I just think it's too many to happen. By the way, this is the same person who says every team's going to win out every game. So, so no, that's, that's, yeah. that's Princeton. That's Princeton shtick. No, it's not. I, well, I don't, then, I don't understand. You're like, I mean, I get your point that these teams are six and three, but like, look at the teams that you're talking about. Baltimore, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh all have to play each other again. Like those teams are matching up against each other. I don't know if you know this, but both teams won't win those games when they play each other. They can tie. Uh, <laughs> New England plays two of the other teams in front of them. The Dolphins. Yeah, and then if they lose the one of those, then I, yeah. And I'm telling that, you, I don't, that's exactly, I, yeah. If they lose those games, of course they're out of the playoff. Yeah, the whole any team could lose any game and any team could win any game, Brent. And I get that, but I am telling you. They beat you, the Raiders. They beat the Ravens. They have tiebreakers over some of these teams. I, I just think if you're four and five and the team you're chasing that's the seven seed is six and three, you are in the playoff hunt. Yeah, but those head to head tiebreakers don't mean anything if you're in a three way tie where the first tiebreaker is conference record. Well, that's yeah. I mean, let's cross that bridge when we get to week seventeen, like week fifteen, and we see. How, I mean, what are you talking? What? So your argument is the Patriots are not in the playoff hunt? No, my art. You said that the Patriots get back in this thing, and I am saying I do not feel like they are a viable playoff contender right now. Okay, somebody clip that. I know that there's a podcast listener who's going to clip that and send it to us in week fourteen when the Patriots are like the four seed or something, like that, or the five seed, I guess it would be. Or they win the division because the Bills collapse. And the I Dolphins still think collapse. the Patriots Everybody are much a viable play to win the division, and I would. I don't think this is a good Patriots team, but I think in its own weird way, this Patriots team is. You know, people are like, oh, maybe this is showing that it was Tom Brady in New England. It's like, or this team is showing exactly just how good a coach Bill Belichick is because he's managing to like keep this thing together. I mean, this is a game there. I mean, they were a seven and a half point dog to, and they almost lost to the Jets on Monday night. And then they have to turn around and play the Ravens at home on Sunday night and they managed to beat them. I mean, this is a, that was a, 
a really good coaching effort. They brought it to the kitchen sink in, in a lot of ways. They knew how to, they knew how to get after Lamar. They made some big defensive plays and Cam, Cam looked a lot more spry than he had the previous few weeks. By the way, I'll just point out quickly, uh, heading into this game, according to football outsiders, the Patriots had a 6.9% chance of making the playoffs. The Bills were at 93.5, Dolphins at 56.2. And so it sort of bolsters Breach's point when you look at the other teams in the the conference in terms of – Do they update the odds? They haven't updated. This is coming into this game. So the the odds will obviously be updated, but I don't know how much, given that some of the teams in front of them also won too. But, and like you said, Ryan, what – and what you just said, Brenton, was that Belichick absolutely outclassed John Harbaugh here. I mean, this was just, he embarrassed the Ravens, uh, whether or not, it's not, you know, it's not like the Patriots changed their game plan five minutes before the game. They said, you know what? We're going to run the ball straight down Baltimore's throat, dare them to stop us. And they couldn't. Like they just kept running and running and running, what, 39 run calls out of 57 yep. plays. So you're talking about yards. more than two thirds of their play calls were runs. And I think that's what, they realized the past few weeks they're saying, you know what? If we let Cam throw the ball too many times, there's inevitably going to be a couple mistakes in there. What if we keep his pass attempts under 20 and we just run it? And and you you beat a good team in Baltimore, and that is impressive. But I think a bigger takeaway here is that you know you got to be concerned about the Ravens now. Mm-hmm. So Baltimore, I thought, did a poor job with their offensive game plan. Like yep. to me. Hey, let me say quickly to follow up on Breach's point. Yeah. Um, coming into this game, the Ravens were number one in run defense, according to Football Outsiders. They were without Calais Campbell. Brandon Williams got hurt. Yep. And then the floodgates were opened up for the run game for the Patriots. That would be my biggest concern if I'm the Ravens long term. So, like, they lost Nick Boyle to a gruesome injury. Ugh. You could hear his leg break on the telecast. It was awful. Uh, are you smiling, Breach? That's my grimace. Okay. Like, um, uh, that was bad. They, yeah, it was, it was bad. They, um, and they said Brady Williams, Calais Campbell's out. Ronnie Stanley's out for the year. Those are really big injuries for Baltimore. And I think they're sort of starting to show up. And that would be my concern if you have them to like win the division, <laughs> hypothetically, or if you, you know, like you have a bet with Pete Briscoe about it and he won't stop texting you that you owe him $200 in theory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But more than that, I feel like the Ravens just keep trying to make this Lamar's going to be a passer this year thing happen. Right. And I understand you want to develop and grow as a pocket passer and you don't want to, and I don't think he's like nobody's pigeonholing him as just a runner, but I don't understand. For me, they had one drive, which started on their six yard line. It was the second drive of the game, 13 plays, 94 yards, six first downs. They score a touchdown. It lasts eight minutes and four seconds. And. That was where they used their run game and they used their 2019 offense to really dominate. And at that point, you're like, all right, you know, <laughs> maybe like maybe they gave up that first score, but they are about to take hold and do Ravens stuff. And then they just seem to abandon it again. And you're right. The, the defense wasn't very good. The Patriots scored on two straight possessions. That was huge. But I just feel like Baltimore's identity has changed a little bit from the team that, that just destroyed the regular season last year. It's changed, and Willie Sneed has been the leading receiver in several games. I know about Mark Andrews, but there's no one to – if you're going to be a passing team or try to be more passer-friendly with Lamar, who's he throwing the ball to? Marquise Brown was targeted six times. He had two catches for 14 yards. Miles Boykin wasn't even thrown to at all in this game. That's That was Marquise Brown's squeaky wheel game. I mean, that's, that's how bad yeah. that was. So I don't know what the solution is other than 
hey, do what you did in 2019 because that seemed to work pretty well. Well, that's yeah. what they did on the drive that Brinson was talking about. They had a, that was a 13 play drive. They only threw three passes. They ran the ball 10 times. And it's like, Hey, look, that's the Ravens from 2019. That's the Raven teams we know who can just run down your throat. And then they switch it up, throw you a curveball by th- passing it so that it's completely unexpected. It catches you off guard. And then all of a sudden, uh, like you guys just said, they're trying to force this Lamar, make him a passer thing, just trying to make it happen. Fetch isn't going to happen. Sorry, guys. Sorry for the Mean Girls reference, too. Good Mean Girls reference. All right, I let's... Didn't, I didn't get it, but... Okay. Fetch okay. is a thing that they want to make happen, and it's not going to happen. Hey, quickly, uh, who finishes better in that division? Not the, not the Steelers, but the Browns or the Ravens? The Steelers are winning the division, right? I think so. We'll see after the, if they can beat the Jaguars next week. But, but Browns, Ravens right now, what, what do we have? Beat the Jaguars next week. Um, I'll still take the Ravens. Okay. I am going also to take the Ravens because they still play the Cowboys, Jacksonville, the Giants, the Bengals. We've got a lot of very winnable games. I mean, the the hand-wringing about the Ravens is totally reasonable, and I think there are very viable concerns about Baltimore. They've also lost three games to the Chiefs, Patriots, and Steelers. Yeah, but this Patriots team is not good. It's Bill Belichick. I mean, like, they're not – I mean, they played really well. The Ravens didn't play well. They didn't play well. The, right. the, the Patriots play well. All right. Let's move along to the game of the day. Maybe the most, the game of the year. Yeah. The most thrilling final few minutes that we've seen all season long is the Cardinals beat the Bills 32 30 on what can only be referred to from here on out as the Hail Murray, a bomb from Kyler Murray. Uh, a 43-yard touchdown technically, but he ran around a bunch and threw it from the 50-yard line, a Hail Mary into the end zone. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins surrounded by a trio of Bills defenders was able to reel in the touchdown catch. Let's see, who, who do we have on me? It was like Tredavious White, Jordan Porter, and Micah Hyde all like sandwiched around him, and he still pulled in the touchdown catch, and, he, and, the, and the Cardinals win on a – uh, with two seconds left on a crazy touchdown, which followed not far after Stefan Diggs catching an g- incredible touchdown pass from, uh, from Josh Allen with like 34 seconds left. It looked like the Bills were going to survive this. And then all of a sudden that the thing with Kyler happens, it was crazy. What an ending. The entire game was absolutely bonkers. I mean, you're talking about, uh, the, the Bills were up 23 to nine and it looked like they were just going to coast. To this win because all the Cardinals were doing, they drive down, they kick a field goal, they couldn't get the ball in the end zone, and it didn't seem like there was any possible way they could come back, let alone win off of a Hail Mary with two seconds left. And then it was just like all of a sudden something clicked and they were able to get in the end zone. Uh, you know, they scored two touchdowns over like the, the late third quarter, fourth quarter, and then finally that third touchdown on the Hail Mary. And I have to say, like, I was literally, cause our editor, RJ White, is a huge Buffalo Bills fan. God bless him. Um, and I, I was thinking in my head after the Bills scored, like I didn't think the Cardinals were going to win on Hail Mary, but I was thinking if I was a Bills fan, how comfortable am I right now? The fact that my team is going to win this game. And I, and even though the probability chart probably had this at like 98%, I'm sure a Bills fan had it in their heart at about 40% because of all the crazy things that happened to the Bills and nothing was crazier than this because 
the Bills, as you said, Brinson, they played this perfectly. They had three defenders on DeAndre Hopkins. You you can't do any better than that besides someone actually knocking down the ball, but you can't knock it down when the guy out jumps you and is eight inches higher than everyone else. There's literally no way to stop that. So uh this was amazing. And yes, easily the best game of the day, the week, the year, the month, all of that. Here's how you stop it. And we've seen this before. Megatron used to go stand in the end zone. We've seen uh Gronk used to stand in the end zone. Who would you put out there? Here's the thing. Like, Steph, Savon Diggs isn't tall enough to do it. Josh Allen? Josh Allen. You still <laughs> oh, great. 235, incredibly athletic. Put his ass back there and let him just slam dunk whoever the who ball in the, Who in the Stanford office came up with this idea that you're stealing it from? I came up with it. Because BMAC was talking about it, uh, talking about how this can't happen and how when they practice this back in the day, there's someone that bodies up the, the, the receiver. There's someone that goes over the top. And there's someone that just is the tip guy and knocks the ball on the ground. And, and clearly all three of those guys were there. They just couldn't make a play probably because they were three, four, five, six inches shorter than, than Trey Hopkins. That's a great call. I love the Josh Allen idea. Um, so Kyler Murray is now six and a half to one to win the MVP at William Hill. He's By the way, one. this is, oh, we'll get to that in a second. Hold on. I want to point out that, uh, this is 11 games. This season, which the team has overcome a deficit of at least 14 points to win, which is tied to the 2014 season, uh, which had 11 as well. For the third most such games through week 10 in NFL history, the 2020 season joins 2015 as the only season in which the team has overcome a deficit of at least 13 points to win in each of the first 10 weeks of the season. It's the first time the Cardinals have won a game while trailing by 14 points or more since exactly 11 years ago versus Seattle on November 15, 2019. Since then, they were 0-55-1 entering today when trailing by 14 points. Kyler Murray, the first quarterback in the Super Bowl era and fourth quarterback in NFL history to rush for a touchdown in five consecutive games, joining Johnny Lujak, six consecutive games in 1950. Tobin wrote five and 56. And Pro Football Hall of Famer Dutch Clark, five and 36. The last quarterback with 10 rushing touchdowns in a season. Cam Newton in 2015. Uh, no one asked, but right now, Kyler Murray is my number two in the MVP race behind Patrick Mahomes ahead of Russ. Russ, Russ is, we can talk about it in a little bit. Russ has got a lot of work to do. He is the only person on that freaking team. And number three on my list, and Eric Casilius talked me into this one, Big Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, that's interesting. I want to hear numbers. that. Look at those numbers. I'm going to take a break when Wilson starts talking about Roethlisberger's MVP. Um, go to the bathroom or something. I think Kyler is Ben. Ben is 25 to one. That's actually not terrible value. I mean, the Steelers go. If the Steelers go undefeated, he'll probably win it. He's got like 20 something touchdowns and four interceptions. I think that Kyler is Kyler's in the mix. And well, let me ask you this: So if the game ends with that ball falling incomplete, Josh Allen's number two in my mind. I think. Yeah, maybe so. That touchdown he threw to Stephon Diggs to, to quote unquote win it at the time is a big boy throw. That was an absolute dart and an incredible drive. Um, you know, Kyler, the, the Cardinals drive was not magical or anything like that. I mean, I mean, it was, I guess, but you know, they, they threw to DeAndre Hopkins over the middle of the field and had to burn a timeout. Then he burned 10 seconds running around looking for something before hitting Larry Fitzgerald on the, on the, on the, like right there on the sideline to fit steps out of bounds. Uh, then I think they, they had to use one more timeout, I believe. And then he had to throw the 50 yard, you know, had to heave it from midfield and just an absolute hope and a, like, you know, hope and a heave situation. But 
the the what he does running the football, the way he works in the red zone, um, and I think when he's on, his passing game is really really good. It's just sometimes he's he's a little more hit or miss than what you'd like to see at an MVP, but I, he just has to be in the mix at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. I think I absolutely agree with Wilson that he's number two at worst. So you can have Patrick Mahomes at one. You can have Kyler Murray at one. I don't think anyone's going to argue with you. But it's just he's so dynamic because he brings uh, the mobility that Mahomes doesn't – you know, Mahomes can run around when he needs to, but he doesn't have Kyler Murray's speed. He doesn't get out there and run. Kyler Murray had two rushing touchdowns in this game. He didn't even throw a touchdown pass until that final offensive play for Arizona. I think my only issue with Josh Allen – was that he made some just mind-numbingly bad mistakes, namely, uh, namely those week, two interceptions yeah. that were just, I'm pulling my hair out. I'm not a Bills fan. I'm pulling my hair out saying, how are you making these throws? You're practically throwing it right to the Cardinals defensive back. And it is every single week, no matter how, you know, we saw the Bills blow a huge lead against the Rams before they held on to win that game. And it was because Josh Allen made a couple mistakes and he keeps making these critical errors that let the other team kind of either stay in the game or creep back into the game. And uh, then you have Kyler Murray, who's just, you know, throwing Hail Marys and completing them. And right now that's the difference is that in the clutch, Kyler Murray's coming through and Josh Allen's, you know, he, he did throw the touchdown pass to Stephon Diggs, but again, two second half interceptions are pretty devastating. Well, if Josh Allen is on the field and breaks up that pass, he's definitely the MVP. So that's on him. Now in Josh Allen's defense, he also caught a touchdown pass. Yeah, that's right. Good point. Imagine right. that breaking up the game winning touchdown, catching a touchdown. You got to forget about those terrible interceptions and throwing. Yeah, I mean, I think touchdown. Buffalo is still Buffalo is seven and three. They're going to be a playoff team. This is not a damning loss or anything like that. Uh, it's a huge win for Arizona because they would have fallen to five and four. And, you know, you got to make up ground. The Seahawks lost. The Rams won. We'll talk about those games in a little bit. But for Arizona, you know, they are, they are right there in the mix in the division. I think Kyler is a, is a legitimate MVP, is somebody worth having a discussion about. The other thing I would point out about this game really quickly is that, and this is sort of a no bleep Sherlock situation, <laughs> but it, it points out why the Vikings and Texans were silly to trade these yeah. star receivers. So like, obviously the Texans was really bad. I mean, Hopkins had 12 targets, seven catches, 127 yards and a touchdown. Cole Beasley was awesome in this game too, by the way. But Stephon Diggs, 10, 10 targets, 93, 93 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Like that, I mean, you know, that production that you get. I Justin Jefferson's great, but like, the, I mean – if you're Deshaun Watson, you're watching this game, you're like, what? Why? Why? Yeah, and you mentioned Cole Beasley real quick. On that touchdown drive with the Stefan Diggs score, the Bills had a third and four on their own 28-yard line, just under three minutes left. If they don't convert, they might have punted because they had three timeouts, and they might have just said, look, you know, we're going to let our, send our defense out there because they've been doing okay. But – Josh Allen drops back to pass, throws. It looks oh, like catch is crazy. It looks like he's about to airmail it out of bounds. And Cole Beasley, who's like my height, somehow yeah. throws his arm up there, one hands it, it looks snags like it. Catch. I mean, it was amazing. With and then somehow gets both beaten bounds, gets exactly four yards, gets the first down, and the Bills keep trucking down and get that touchdown. So I thought that was probably uh if DeAndre Hopkins doesn't catch a Hail Mary with two seconds left, that is probably the catch we're talking about and how that was the catch of the day, even though it was only four yards. <laughs> and I will say Josh, before I mean, we move on. Uh, the one thing that Kyler Murray does really well that Lamar Jackson 
still hasn't managed to do. He doesn't take huge hits. Yeah. And, and that's, that's an issue that we talked about with RG3, of course. And, and then can't, I mean, um, Lamar has to be better about that, but it feels like I, the Cowboys. I was going to say, I also think that like Kyler and Russ, I, th- I really do think this is a byproduct of baseball, them playing baseball. Like when they start running, they're like Lamar gets, de- gets vertical very fast. And it's like, look like, and those guys sort of like, they just see the field better. I feel like Lamar is like faster, maybe, but you know what I mean? Uh, All right. Let's move on to the next game. Oh, by the way, Tyler Bass, three 54 yard field goals, 54 yard field goals. Assume Breach would bring that up, but he didn't. He stuck on himself. Yep. Oh, we missed. Dolphins 29, Chargers 21. Oh boy, gonna have Dolphins fans up in the mentions tomorrow. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa had five touchdown passes and zero interceptions this season, has won each of his first three career starts and joins Carson Wentz from 2016 as the only rookie quarterbacks to win their first three starts and throw zero picks in the Super Bowl era. He is just the second Dolphins quarterback in franchise history to go three and oh in his first three starts. Can you name the other one? It's not Bob Greasy, I don't think. Because nope. that team stunk when he began. Dan Marino, David Woodley. It was someone random. It was uh, nineties, late nineties. Breaches. Breach reads the, the Jay Fiedler. No, I didn't no. read. It. I, I I think I actually saw late it. Was it on, bra- on the broadcast? Probably. Um, you are right. It's somebody random from the late nineties. Not Jay Fiedler. Uh. Uh-uh. Oh my gosh. Rock Heward. AJ. Oh, you got it. Kind of right. It's oh, it's the other Heward. Yeah. Damon Hewitt. Yeah, Damon Hewitt. Damon Hewitt. Oh, that teamwork. That's great teamwork, Wilson. Damon Hewitt from 1999. Um, what, uh, what do we think here? Are the Dolphins for real? Yep. Oh, boy. What do you mean? Oh, why? What'd you say about the Dolphins? Oh, I just picked against him and some, somebody uh, named, some Dolphins blogger named Big E, like tweeted something about me and I've had Dolphins fans like, like all over me for the entire weekend. It's really weird. Like somebody DM was like, nobody messes with Big E. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking all about? Right. Like, is this how Prisco felt in like 2001 when I'm like, we showed up? He's like, these friggin' bloggers. Yeah, he still feels that way. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, Brian Flores is coach of the year. I, I right think, now. Right? Yeah. yeah, I don't even know who's number two. I'm sure there's someone there. Tomlin. I mean, Mike yeah. Tomlin would like a word at night. But I mean, listen, you throw no, but the Dolphins were 0 7 last year. They started 0-7. I mean, Kevin Stefanski deserves some love. Just get out of here. They started. The Browns are 6-3. and three. Look at it this way. So they started 0-7. They went 5-4. and four, And what are they now? 6-3? and 6-3. Yeah. So they're 11-7 uh, and seven in their last 18 games after starting 0-7. I did the math right. That's, that's amazing, given that this team everyone thought was straight up dog doo-doo 12 months ago. Yep. Well, and... He benched his quarterback in the middle of the season. It was probably the riskiest and decision traded, that any coach has made all year. He traded for Josh Rosen last year. We were yelling, why aren't you playing Josh Rosen? I forget the second round pick. So two sort of weird quarterback situations that have worked out in their favor. I will say that it benefited them that they started on the Chargers side of the field six times in this game. Well, the very first Chargers drive ended in a block punt touchdown. So a, that, a block punt, and they started on the, the, the Chargers one-yard one line. line. <laughs> Is that a good place to start a drive on your opponent's one-yard line? I think so. Did you read um, the stat about one-score one, one score losses? 
Every one of their losses this year has been by one score. The Chargers. Uh, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, the Chargers are two and seven. And they've lost since 2019. They'd lead the league with 15 one score losses. Somebody's reading the, the recap notes. Oh, I, those, the, those are from the stats department. I will say okay. that this, 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 this was a back, reading the stats recap. Man. This was that. a backdoor one score loss. Yeah. You know, like they got they blown were, out this game. They were down 15. Oh, you know, no, 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 no. We're not going to make this about the Chargers. This is about the Dolphins and Tua. If you're a Dolphin, so the Dolphins are three to one to win the division now. If you're a Dolphins fan, are you, you're feeling like you got something cooking, right? Of course. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? I, I I'm not, I, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I like watching Tua, watching that game. Seeing to a play, but he has it. I don't know that he's like fire in the belly. I don't. Yeah, I mean, Prisco said he didn't, but like, I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's playing perfect football, but he just makes electric plays, and you just want to watch. It reminds me. Started off with is it keeps being my worry since the bye. So you said you know the, the Dolphins got six possessions that started in Chargers territory. And every week, it was against the Rams. They went up a bunch because they got a special team touchdown, a defensive touchdown. I was like, well, Tua could have thrown three passes. It didn't matter. They were going to win this game, even if Brinson was quarterback, because the defense was so dominant. And it was like, you know what? We'll get to see how good he is when they play the Cardinals. Again, we get a defensive touchdown. We get these amazing defensive plays, and you're still not – you know, Tua looked a lot better. He was a key to the win, but you're still not sure how good he is. And you're like, well, maybe we'll see it against the Chargers. And it's the same thing where you definitely see the flashes of talent, but it's not clear. You know, the jury's still not out on how good he is, how good he can be, or, you know, if this was basically the defense is playing so well that it doesn't matter. And two is able to kind of get used to playing at the NFL level. And so, I, I mean, I think the Dolphins are probably the third best team in the AFC right now. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? That's insane. Yeah. You see the Dolphins are the third in, best in team in the way. AFC? You just got finished saying you don't know what to make of Tonga Valoa. Well, and I'm saying they're winning even though I don't, and I think he's got the flashes of talent so you there. Would take them over. puts it all together, they're going to be unstoppable. Just, what is he talking about? Don't, don't fall for it. So you would take them over. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Are you seeing what Cam Newton is wearing? No. <laughs> he's, he's dressed like a, like a genie. Old lady. No, I don't know. I've never seen this before. This is incredible. Um, I'm sure you'll tweet at any moment. I'll watch it then. I will. I so will. Read, read out the, with a poll. Who would team. look better in this, Wilson or Breach? Read off the teams. He's Breach. wearing like a Shriners like hat or like All a. Right. Don't get don't get sidetracked. Read off the teams of Breach that he thinks are better that that he thinks are better in the AFC. The Bills. I said the AFC. I'm assuming Pittsburgh and Kansas City are top two. That's my top two. Bills. No, I would take the Dolphins right now. Colts. I would take Get the Dolphins out of right town. Now. The Ravens. I, I would take the Dolphins. Ravens. I take the Dolphins. He hesitated. Um, and then I remember Sunday night game against the Patriots, so I went with the Dolphins. <laughs> the Raiders. Oh, the Dolphins, easy. Yeah, don't don't do that. The Browns. No. Uh, the Dolphins would smash them. You're going the, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> you're going the wrong way. I just know where we're going. I mean, where do you think the Dolphins are? This, what they've done has been their defense has just been lights out. It's been so good. It's it's been fun to watch, especially if you have them on your fantasy roster. And even more fun. I do not have them on fantasy roster, but I played but against look, them. They're they're good. I mean, like I I do think that we haven't seen two truly tested. Yes, that's true. Like that's a that's a concern. 
I think what happened is that Breach got an upgrade. Breach bought four thousand is all in on the Dolphins. He's done. Oh, he's a bigger check challenge. than Jerry Jones. That's right. There we go. We got it. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Um, all right. Yeah. Now the Dolphins are awesome. Uh, they're fun to watch. I think two is only going to get better. We'll see what happens. And you know, Breach sort of alluded to it. If he has a bad game, how does he bounce back? But I mean, the defense, the special teams are helping him out, and Brian Flores is crushing it, and that's a huge thing. I mean, if you buy into what your coach is telling you to do. See Matt Rule, um, it, it seems to think, seems things seem to go a lot better, and that seems to be the case with the Dolphins. And their next three games: Broncos, Jets, Bengals. Two and one. Is, uh, is Anthony Lynn getting fired? Good boy. I mean, I was talking about this earlier on Sunday. That's a great job. Like if you're Eric Bieniemy or whomever may come in. Eric Bieniemy drafted by the Chargers. Oh yeah, and he's an offensive guy. They have a ton of offensive weapons. They'll get Derwin James back next year. You can't win, lose 15 one-score games in two seasons or a season and a half. I mean, that's bonkers. And I don't know what the reason is, but he seems to get outcoached frequently. They play the Jets in week 11. If they lose that game, you have to get rid of them, right? There's no way they're losing that game. I don't think. Why, they, lost why. The, they lost the Browns when the Browns were winless. I will say this. Oh, that's embarrassing. Justin Herbert said after the game, I'm sure he said it very nicely because he's a very nice person, that the game plan was to run on early downs going into the to the matchup. And that, to me, just screams, what are we doing? And that's not Anthony Lynn. He's not making the game plan, but he's a head coach. I mean, that's where the buck stops to, you know, bring out the old cliche. So, yeah, that's not great. He's got to win some football games. He's in, a, he's in a tough spot. Justin Herbert playing really well, but it doesn't matter if, you, if you're losing the games every week. All right, let's take a break, and when we come back, We'll rip through the rest of the games. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, so the Saints dominated the 49ers after a slow start. Saints covered the nine and a half, the under hit here as well. Alvin Kamara went off as he is wont to do. But maybe the biggest storyline from this, because it was a blow, I mean, it was sort of a blowout. Like the 49ers had a lead and, and I mean, it wasn't a total blowout. Like the 49ers were. They're up 10 nothing, I think, right? Yeah. And they were rolling right along and they, and they had two uh, punt returns fumbled. 
which you know never helps your case. But the bigger story is that Drew Brees left the game at halftime. He was replaced by Jameis Winston. Brees has had a rib injury. He got blasted uh, by my boy, Contavia Street, for his first career sack. Picked up a personal foul penalty that was sort of Is that up. a personal foul, though? No. Let me put it this way. If Cam Newton had gotten sacked that way, is that a flag? No, they're not even, the refs not even reaching for the flag. We're thinking about I didn't it. think it was a uh, personal foulable. What did you think, Breach? No, I, I did not think it was a personal oh. foul. Yeah. yeah. It was it was like incidental contact that he like he drove him into somebody. That's else. a Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees penalty all day long. Absolutely, um, and that didn't that didn't help the 49ers case either. Like, but Jameis came in, and now uh, to see Jeff Duncan uh, says I've read Drew Brees' body language and speech inflection for 15 years, and I don't recall him ever sounding like this. The concern was evident in his tone and demeanor. It speaks to his leadership and professionalism that he took the time to address the media after being injured. Do we think Drew Brees could miss serious time for the second straight year in a row? Uh, I heard reports afterwards, and maybe reports are wrong, speculation, maybe it's just one game. Um, it seems weird that he appeared more serious to Jeff Duncan on Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, than last year when his broken hand, broken finger, kept him out for five games. But Jameis Winston didn't look bad. Didn't have any turnovers, which was uh, a rare Shocking. sight. Yeah, a rare sight in Tampa Bay. It probably helps to have a really good defense and, and a lot of playmakers around you, although you can make that argument in Tampa Bay for sure. He looks so much thinner in, in the Saints uniforms. Where number two will do that to you. It's like Dennis Dixon, number two. <laughs> or Aaron Brooks. Aaron Brooks was number two. There you go. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see how they go. I thought it was interesting that they turned to Jameis. They didn't turn to, to Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill didn't attempt to pass. He ran it a bunch, uh, sometimes out of, at, as a quarterback. And the other thing was that Brees was on the sidelines sort of talking up Sean Payton like he wanted to go back in. So yeah, we'll, we'll find out how serious. I don't understand, um, the mechanics of rib injuries and, and how long they could keep you out. Cause typically people play with broken ribs. It just hurts a lot. And sometimes, you know, they're out for a little bit. Well, I think that's the issue is that because they hurt a lot and sometimes the pain so excruciating that like, you know, it might hurt when you throw. We hear about guys wearing the flak jackets. So to minimize the pain they feel whenever they get hit, but you're a quarterback, you get hit so often that you're out there. It's easy to re-injure the ribs. So I think Breeze's thought process is like, look, I'm over 40 years old. My body's already falling apart. I can't be playing with broken ribs. Uh, so I would think if I'm the saints that I'm looking at my schedule and I'm saying, you know what, let's bench Drew for two weeks, let him heal, and see where we are after that. Because they have the Falcons and the Broncos coming up. Those are two games I think they could win with Jameis Winston. Uh, they could also go 0-2 with Jameis Winston because he might throw six interceptions against the Broncos defense. You never know. But they could absolutely go 2-0. You reassess. That gives Drew Brees three weeks to heal. And if he needs more than that, then you have another game against the Falcons. Then you have a game against the Eagles. So you play a bunch of teams that currently have a losing record over the next four weeks. So there is time and room for you to maybe pick up a few wins without Drew Brees while letting him heal. Because I think you need him in the playoffs. You don't want Jameis Winston as your starting quarterback in the playoffs. Let me, so I think let me ask you this, Breach and Princeton, because last year we didn't know anything about Teddy Bridgewater in terms of him being a backup. You feel more comfortable with Jameis or with unknown Teddy? If you can sort of go back in time and try to think about how you felt about Teddy before he played pretty well. <laughs> I feel more comfortable. I mean, well, it's like, are you more comfortable in a, um, a Honda Accord or are you more comfortable in like on a motor, on a, on a, like a motorcycle with jet rockets? <laughs> Which I'm more comfortable in the Honda Accord. <laughs> 
I have, I know that I can get somewhere faster in the, on the motorcycle with jet rockets, but that the probability that I will suffer a, a life threatening injury on the way there or that will just drive off the side of the road, uh, is much higher. So, uh, I'm more comfortable with Petty. Huh. All right. Yeah. I don't know. And I, I just want to touch on the 49ers real quick because Mernson, you, you, you touched on this briefly was that I actually thought they could have won this game. Those two muffed punts literally changed the whole entire game around. One of them came in the first half and right. So, you know, you're the 49ers, you're about to get possession. Boom. A ball hits the ground, bounces off one of your blockers. The Saints recover it. And then the Saints only needed 21 yards to score a touchdown because that's how close they were uh, to the end zone after recovering that. The second half, somehow you have another muffed punt. This time, the Saints only had to drive 22 yards for a touchdown. So two of New Orleans touchdowns were on TD drives that were 22 yards or less, and they were both set up by muffed punts. If those don't happen, who knows what happens in this game? Because it was actually uh, it was pretty close between these two teams except for the two muffed punts. You know, we talk about a lot about teams quitting after they it's clear they're going to be out of things. The 49ers don't quit. Kyle Shannon has that team playing hard. They're yep. doing it with second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth-string players, and they're still competing. And as Breach mentioned, they go into New Orleans and they had a chance to win the game, made some mistakes, but it's not like they're, they're folding up shop like we see from, uh, you know, a lot of teams. Like uh, the, the Jets have, have given up clearly. Um, they're, Jets they're, gave up in like week three. Yeah, who are some other teams that have given up? Like the Chargers haven't given up, but I feel like if Kyle Shanahan was coaching that team, they would have two losses. Cowboys. So, Cowboys, do you feel like they've given up? So, yeah, uh, credit to them for that, at least, the 49ers. But the Saints, well, do you think the 49ers, they're done, right? There's no yeah, way they're, toast. they're doing anything. They don't have to, how? That's like me and you and Brent, uh, Brentson out there trying to help that team win football game. It's just not going to happen. Well, let's, we, we can go, yeah, I mean, I think they're toast. They're, um, they're four and six. They're, they're, and everybody else is six and three. They're, they're toast. And they don't have a Kittle. He's done. They don't have Garoppolo. He's done. They're he four was, and six. If Adam Gase was four and six right now, he would have a forty-year contract extension. If Adam Gase was four and six right now, we'd be like, "Is he the coach of the year?" <laughs> First, right, let's move on to the Rams and Seahawks, where we can finish talking about the NFC West. Two of those six and three teams that we mentioned: the Rams won twenty-three to sixteen. Of course, covered the two and a half points, the under of 55 hit. Boy, this game did not go over, and that was pricey for somebody on this podcast. The top fantasy performer was Malcolm Brown, obviously. Russell Wilson, seven turnovers the last two games. It's the first game since 2016 where he had zero touchdown passes and multiple interceptions, and just the fourth game like that in his career. The Seahawks are now technically third in the NFC West. Um. Big deal, huge deal, overreaction to a single game. What do we think? So here's the thing. It's a huge deal with the caveat that I'll, I'll explain in a second. Because here's what I've been saying every week for nine weeks. Don't worry. Just let Russ cook. Let him do his thing. The defense can be terrible. Jamal Adams and, and uh, Carlos Dunlap, they'll help things. And they can just be, if the defense is just slightly below average, Russell will take care of everything else. DK Metcalf, Tyler, Mac, uh, Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson, so on and so forth. Turns out that ain't true. Russell Wilson can't do everything. And if he's off just a little bit, and we've sort of said this in recent weeks, it, it think it'll be tough to win football games. Now they're just getting the doors blown off. But here's the good news for this team. There's good be, news. What's that? There's good news. There, this is great news. So. 
They have the Cardinals next week. That ain't good news. After that, Eagles, Giants, Jets, football team. Then they have the Rams again, and then the 49ers. So that's six wins with the NFC East, the football team, and the 49ers to finish it, right? One, two, three, four. The, the NFC East, the Jets, and the 49ers. And they if they split with the Rams-Cardinals, both of those games are at home. Well, they should get, at worst, five more wins. Worst case, five more wins. So it gets them to 11, and there's a chance they win 12. So even with the world's worst defense, the Galaxy's worst defense, they're staring 11 wins in the face. Yeah, I, I mean, worst case scenario, like absolute worst case scenario would be 10 wins. And even then, I think you're getting in the playoffs with 10 wins. So, yeah, and the other thing is you have a Thursday night game against the Cardinals. That's a team you probably should have beaten the first time around, but you blew a lead, went to overtime, and lost on another uh Murray miracle. So I think if you're Seattle, you just say, all right, if we can somehow get into this Thursday game, it's at home, it's in prime time, uh, we do real well in that situation. If we can beat Arizona – we got those games that Ryan just listed coming up. That's the one we need to steal. So I think if you're the Seahawks, you're obviously not thrilled right now, but you fix everything with one win on Thursday. And, yeah, I mean, that's true. I will say this. I do think that, like, so they started 5-0, and and they're 1-2 and in their last three games. Their five wins to start the season were against the Falcons, Patriots, Cowboys, Dolphins, and Vikings. Now, the Dolphins win looks pretty good. What's that? They're one and three in their last four. Throw that one in there. Oh, excuse me, one and three in the last four. Yeah, uh, PFR hadn't updated. Um, and they're basically one and one and three since the buy. Like I get that the Dolphins look pretty good now, but they weren't that great of a football team then. They sort of hung in there. The Vikings have improved a little bit, and the Seahawks beat them, but they were bad then. The Seahawks beat them by one. They barely beat the Cowboys. They barely beat the Patriots. They throttled the Falcons. I get that. Um, you know, they took care of business against the 49ers, but I mean, what are we talking about here two weeks ago? You know, they, the team, the good teams that they've played have beaten them. That's a problem. Brenton, are you saying they're frauds? Say it. Oh, say it. Say it. I mean, I think the Seahawks are sort of a paper tiger. They're a paper tiger. This is a Super Bowl team that's going to win 10 or 11 games and struggle to get very far in the playoffs, which is they, they should be deep in the playoffs. Because this is the year Russell's being allowed to throw the football, but the defense is so historically terrible that he can't, it, it just, it's not enough. He can't do it every week. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, by the way, matched up with, uh, DK Metcalf. This is via, uh, ESPN. Matched up with DK Metcalf on 30 routes, four targets, two catches, 28 receiving yards for DK. He got locked down by Jalen Ramsey. Should have drafted JJ Arthaka Whiteside. <laughs> Seahawks are 0-3 this season when they commit multiple turnovers and 6-0 and when they have one or fewer. That That's sort of the story. Like, Russ has to be perfect. And, you know, to that Ramsey point, let's give the Rams their due. The Rams are a good football team. I don't know what to make of Jerry Goff, but he... I've, he lights up the Seahawks for some reason. That defense is really good, and that's huge. I mean, we were talking about defenses with, with Tua having the... the, the, um, the pledge, uh, what's the word? The... Uh, Luxury of having that defense and the same yeah. thing for, for Jared Goff, who in my mind only is going as far as Sean McVay can drag him. And well, Sean McVay does really well at dragging him when they're playing the Seahawks. God, you love to talk about Sean McVay. The, um, five and one in his last six games against the Seahawks, Brinson, write also, that fact down. I got a funner fact for you, Breach. That can't um, be funner than what I just said. Russell Wilson's one, uh, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson's one and seven when trailing at halftime. Sean McVay is 31 and oh when winning at halftime. It's a lock. That's halftime lock. That is good to know. Um, 
said bet the money line on Sean McVay if he's winning at halftime. Jared Goff, 27 to 37, 302 yards. Josh Reynolds, the leading receiver, eight catches, 94 yards. Um, Goff should have had a couple touchdown passes. They got down, like they, he, Tyler Higby had screwed up one. And then like, I think Daryl Henderson had a touchdown run from the one yard line and Malcolm Brown had two red zone rushes. The running game wasn't great, but they let golf throw a lot. And they, like, credit to Sean McVay. That's what we said leading up to the game. Like, if the Rams are willing to let, you know, do what the Bills did, come out and throw the ball early and often and let, and let golf sling it around, they're probably going to have better success against the Seahawks who struggle to stop anybody in the pass. Um, yeah, this is a good defense and they play the Buccaneers next. That's a really interesting battle for the NFC. Yeah. I want to see that. How would you rank 49ers at last? How would you rank the rest of that division in terms of your feelings about who's where? Uh, if I were betting on it right now, and like I got, let's like if I, I just, I win a bet if I can correctly order how the division finishes. Yeah. I will take the Rams, Cardinals, Seahawks, and then the 49ers. Reach. I will take the Seahawks, Rams, and then Cardinals. But I do think. All three of them are going to make the playoffs. You think and the what, Seahawks are the best team in the division? I'm going. I th- no, I think they're going to finish first in the division. I'm going. That no. doesn't mean I think they're the best team. I'm going Cardinals, Rams, Seahawks. Do we just if all I give different picking, answers? Yeah. Okay. Oh, if I were picking one. today, I would pick the Cardinals because I picked them to win the division before the season started. I already picked them, so you can't go back too bad. I did before the season. You know, it's crazy. If the Cardinals had lost, if that Hail Mary didn't happen right now, they are the third seed in the NFC playoffs, if they don't catch the Hail Mary, they're out of the playoffs. They are the eighth seed. Well, guess what? If uh, that's, that's how close everything is right now. Appearance on the Rams against the Saints, the Saints get the other Super Bowl. So, I mean, these things happen. No, Ryan, that's not true. Because there was still game time left. There was still okay. game time left after the Cardinals throw. Oh, you just dunking yourself again. <laughs> Two seconds. I've played it all the way through in a while. Um, all right, Packers and Jaguars. The Packers snuck by Jacksonville, twenty-four to twenty. Obviously, the Jaguars covered as thirteen-and-a-half point dogs. The under hit Aaron Rodgers, twenty-nine fantasy points. Marcus Valdez Scantling at twenty fantasy points. The, the I, so I was coming through our CBS Sports research uh, packet from uh, Sean Ahern. I think Ahern. I pronounce that right. Um, Sean and, and the boys put this one together. And this stat made me laugh so hard. It is <laughs> the Jaguars have started one and eight for the first time since 2014. <laughs> I don't know why this cracks me up. It's like, Cause most teams, it's like they're one and eight for the first time since 1997. The Steelers are nine and oh for the first time in franchise history. It's like the Jags are one and eight for the first time in five years. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't, I don't know if that's like a good stat or a bad stat. I feel like I'm surprised it wasn't more recently. So I, I sort of was too, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I thought it'd be like, oh, since like 16 or something. Oh. Um, uh, by the way, Devontae Adams now has 741 receiving yards and nine receiving touchdowns this year. He joins Marvin Harrison from 1999 and Randy Moss from 2007 as the only players in the Super Bowl era to have 700 receiving yards and nine or more receiving touchdowns in their first seven games of the season. Now, first games they played because he was obviously injured. Yeah, so the Jaguars had this game close. They were playing it; they played it tight for for much of the game, and, and they had opportunities. And uh, 
Devontae Adams had a fumble early in the game that led to a Jaguars touchdown. James Robinson had 109 rushing yards. And it was sort of like the Packers didn't want to be there, even though it was a home game. They had weather there, too, at Lambeau Field. But, again, when you're a good football team, you cannot want to be there and still find ways to win. It wasn't an inspiring win, but I don't – I mean, look, I feel much better about the Packers who had an uninspiring win than I do against the Seahawks who had a we-have-one-player-on-our-team loss and our defense is straight-up doo-doo. So yeah, they took care I, of business. That's where I'm at. The Jacksonville, I mean, they are what they are. They they fought. They made some plays. They were opportunistic. They have Jake Luton playing quarterback. So, you know. What do you think about the Jaguars playing the Steelers next week? I don't feel great about it. It's the same way I feel about the Cowboys playing the Steelers last week and, and how I felt about them playing the Bengals on Sunday. It's just one of those opportunities for a team that's not as good as, as the team they're facing to, to show why. And we saw that. I mean, the Jaguars did that against the Packers. So they're, they're going to have some confidence. They're playing at home. Jake Luton, 2-0 and against the spread now as a starter. Would you take, what do you think, Jaguars plus 13 and a half? Oh, it's down to 10. Ah! I'm taking the Jags. I took the Bengals on Sunday, too. Shouldn't have done that. Thanks, Breach. I'm taking the Steelers. What? What? I listened to Breach, too. I knew that Steelers were going to roll. This is stupid. Whoop my face. I, too. Are you guys worried at all about the Packers? Sort of half, half arson it? No. This was totally, you go through the motions, you walk out with a win, <laughs> yeah. and that's it. Like, this game... As long as you win, it doesn't mean anything. We're not going to look back. Like when we're picking that first round playoff game, we're not going to say, you know what? They struggle against Jacksonville in week 10. I think I'm going to pick against the Packers in the wild card round. Let me bring weekly. I, I don't, I disagree with that. All right. Go ahead. The, they did this against the Washington football team last year. I don't remember. Um, so it was week 14 that clouded your. Feelings about them? Yeah, but but I thought they were frauds last year. I don't think they're frauds this year. What's different about them this year than last year? They're one of the top three teams in the NFC last this year, and they were not last year. Personnel wise, what's different? This they were thirteen and three last year. They were the number two seed in the NFC. Yeah, I know what their record was. Reach has got the hat trick. I know what their record and seed was. I'm telling you from my personal opinion, they weren't, and that's it. They got smoked in the NFC title by a team better, that was far were, better than them. Who were the three better teams? Uh, the 49ers, Dolphins, and who else? <laughs> I'm waiting for the other two. The, the Chiefs. Chiefs. The, you said the NFC teams. Oh, I thought I said all of them. No. Uh, the Saints, probably the Seahawks. Probably the Seahawks. Uh, I, I don't remember all of last season, but I would put oh, the Seahawks in there. Oh, he's going for the record, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> they were one. Of, they were not one of my three personal top three favorite NFC teams. Name the other three. I don't remember all the season. What do I look Ask like? Me questions. Hey, let me put this to you guys. Uh, Alan Lazard is going to come back. MVS had a huge game. I still wish they had Will Fuller. I bet Aaron Rodgers feels the same. Do you guys feel differently? Every week with this Will Fuller. Every week is coming up. Well, look at it this way: If you're Will Fuller, um, Dre Hopkins got traded, and he's having the time of his life. And Will Fuller stuck on that. I mean, from Will Fuller's perspective, yeah, he probably wishes he was in Green Bay. Um, yeah, I think I think they would rather have Will Fuller. I still maintain I wouldn't give up the second. Do it for a second rounder. Right. I still, yeah, we don't need. Wait, Brinson, but finish your point. So they struggled against Washington last year. What was that? So keep going. Well, I just, I mean, down the stretch, they beat Washington twenty to fifteen at home, and it was like, what? What is this team doing? Like, why don't they? Where? Where? Why did this team doesn't? seem to possess the extra gear. So well, like my theory I think is I'll bring it up again. There are no good teams. That's part of it. 
But also, uh, yeah, I'm sort of breached. It's one of these games, the weather was crappy. No one wanted to be there. It's the Jaguars. Eh, you win the game and get out of there. I mean, all right, so the here's the last, I mean, the last five games for the Packers are a humiliating loss to the Buccaneers. A 15-point win over the Texans, which is good. Um, Texans are terrible. Uh, awkward loss to the Vikings out of nowhere. Uh, they beat down the 49ers without any of their players. And then they barely snuck by the Jaguars at home. Like, I, I – Well, the Vikings lost was Dalvin Cook ran for 40 million yards. Well, that's a bit of a red flag if you're talking about this being a top team in the yeah, defense. This is the Seattle Seahawks with just slightly better defense. Well, that's a problem. Yeah. If that's what if that's what they are, that's what I think they are. I think they're they have a they have worse we, they have a, the best receiver but worse total weapons. They have a good quarterback but not as good as, as Russell Wilson. Eh. Although he might Brenton, be which which NFC teams are better than them right now? Like who? If you're concerned about the Packers, who's New who's Orleans, Tampa Bay, New Orleans that the Packers already beat. He gritted it out. (laughs) Um, I mean, I would, I think New Orleans is, I mean, let's see what happens with Drew Brees, but I think New Orleans is is 100% taking the Saints in that rematch. He didn't tell you that. Not with Jameis Winston. The Rams are better and the Buccaneers are better. No, stop it. The Rams are not better. Are you crazy? Rams are better, more balanced. I would, I think the Rams would beat the Packers. Have you seen the Rams? In what sport? (laughs) <laughs> well, the, the Rams will run all over the Packers, and the Jared Goff will struggle against that defense. If, if you throw Jalen Ramsey on Devontae Adams, were you going to throw to the ghost of Will Fuller? Yeah, see, that's when the Will Fuller is going to be going to come up and bite you. You know what? And we knock we knock Jacksonville, or we knock Green Bay for letting Jacksonville stay close. This is the same Jacksonville team that beat Brenton's Colts and had the Titans on the ropes before Steven Goskowski hit like a 49-yard field goal with a minute left to win that game. So they've yeah, been the giving – The Jaguars are frisky. I just said that. Yeah, they've been giving good teams fits, and then somehow they get blown out by average teams. It's also like not the same Jacksonville team as those because they changed their quarterback, and now they have a, like a rookie seventh rounder. Anyway, I think Arizona might be better than – Jacksonville? Definitely. Yeah, they are definitely better than Jacksonville. All right. Moving along to those Buccaneers that I mentioned – Ooh, you will not like Tom Brady when he's angry, and he was angry on Sunday as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers walloped the Panthers 46 to 23. The Bucks covered the over hit. Uh, the Bucks almost hit it by themselves. Tom Brady had 37 fantasy points. Ronald Jones 23, including a 98 yard touchdown scamper. Teddy Bridgewater 22 and left with an injury that is not believed to be extremely serious. It's also to the other knee, not the one that was reconstructed. It didn't um, look terrible, but that's easy for me to say. It wasn't like all the gruesome injuries we've seen this year. He just yeah. got hit low, and, and he left. Um, the Panthers are the first team since 1950 to allow one punt or fewer in four straight games, extending their NFL record. Is eh. that good? What are you going to do? They have only forced two punts total since week seven. It is week ten. Maybe you they cannot win games if you cannot force the other team to punt. Like It's mind-boggling. How this is even possible. So the Panthers have lost five straight games and I, but I, I don't know. I'm not getting worked up about it if I'm a Panthers fan. You know, it's funny and we'll talk about this more later, but this is basically the reverse of the Giants and everyone has been dunking on Joe Judge the first. They have the same record. I think maybe the Giants have even a better record. I can't remember, 
But everyone's like, oh, Matt Rule's doing a great job, and Joe Brady, th- everyone's buying in. And now the they, Giants are ahead of the Panthers in the season. There you go. And then the, 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 Three and the Giants started terribly, and everyone's like, ugh, Dave Gettleman, ugh, Daniel Jones, ugh, what is Joe Judge doing? And now they've sort of turned the corner. I think that team is buying into what Joe Judge is talking. We can talk about it later as well. But I, I think I'm with you on the Panthers. I'm not worried about them. No one, we thought this was going to be the worst team in football, somehow worse than the Jets. And that's all on us for being idiots, but they are buying in. Teddy Bridgewater is playing extremely well. Robbie Anderson is secretly one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, DJ Moore or the other one, Curtis Sam, Curtis Samuel started to shine a little bit. I can DJ never... Moore had a big game this week. They, they different guys pop up every week. Yeah. So, was last week, Moore was this week and McCaffrey hasn't played. Came back for a game last and got we got hurt last week. So uh, there are reasons for optimism. The defense is young; they'll get better. But yeah, the, the whole funny thing is funny. Well, they trotted out. I mean, like the whole thing was that they drafted all. They used every single one of their draft picks on defensive players, and they're starting all these younger guys. They you knew that Kawan Schwartz hurt. You knew they were going to stink, and it took a little while for them to actually be bad. They're trying hard. Uh, offensively, the way, it was they're 17, 17 and a half. If they played like this is a close. Game. It was a close game. Yeah, thirty minute football games. It'd be great. That's right. Um, Ronald Jones, 23 carries, 192 yards. Tom Brady, 28, 39, 341 yards, three touchdowns, and one rushing touchdown. A monster game. Uh, Antonio Brown, 69 receiving yards on seven catches. Oh, the old Gronkometer. Yeah. And uh, Chris Godwin, six catches, 92 yards as well. This was um, – look, I mean, the Bucks just poured it on. They were just a better team. The Buccaneers are still really good. Yeah. But I that 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 loss to the 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 thing about the Bucks is they've beaten like they they lost to the Bears who were good defense and they lost to the Saints who played really good defense. So I sort of worry how they'll how are they are they are they are they good against good defenses? That's a concern of mine. Breach, do you feel better long term about the Packers or the or the Bucks? Because I'm not sure. Uh, long term, like five years, or long term, like the rest of this season? Playoff run this year. Playoff run this year. I think the Buccaneers, because it's one of those where I, I think we talked about it a little bit last week, but if the Buccaneers and Packers played in the playoffs, I, I think the Buccaneers would roll them again. It's one of those, you know, we saw Green Bay struggle against San Francisco last year and then turn around and play them again in the postseason and people kind of talk themselves, Oh, Green Bay will win this time because they know what they did wrong the first time. No, San Francisco stepped on their throat again and demolished them. So I think that's what would happen. If the Buccaneers, and I think that's the weird thing about the NFC this year, and that's why we can't figure out who the best team is. We, you could make a strong argument for like four different teams, and it's because, uh, you know, just matchups. Like I think the Packers are a bad matchup. The, the Buccaneers are a bad matchup for the Packers, and the Saints are a bad matchup for the Buccaneers. So those are the teams you want to avoid in the playoffs. So if you're Tampa, you're thinking, hey, if I can avoid New Orleans, I can make a Super Bowl run. If you're Green Bay, you want to avoid Tampa Bay. So there's just all this all this weirdness because everybody has a weakness. And as you said, every week for 10 weeks, Ryan, there are no good teams. You know who also has a weakness? The Eagles. And that weakness is Carson Wentz. The Eagles got bludgeoned by the Giants, 27 to 17. Giants covered. Of course, they were dogs. The under hit. Daniel Jones, the top fantasy performer, 21. Wayne Gallman, 17. Jones, this is Daniel Jones's first win Against a team since his, since he, since he played against the Buccaneers, uh, his first win against a team that's not Washington since Congratulations, his, his last Daniel year. Jones. All right. Are we giving him? 16 is the starter versus teams not called Washington. This is Carson Wentz's first game this season without a turnover and the Eagles failed to convert a third down on Sunday 
oh not oh of nine for the first for just the second time since 1991. All right, we're gonna get a playoff update from Devo. Give us your little ah meeting Xanax, gobbling Xanax on Sunday night, trying to sound optimistic. Update Devo. <laughs> I'm, I'm always optimistic. Uh, I you mean, are, I, you are just disturbingly optimistic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- with that being said, you know the Giants still have. Two more losses than the Eagles at this point. I said it after the Bengals t- game. The Eagles are going to win this division at six, nine, and one. There's nothing seven, eight weeks later that I feel any differently now. Um, never fun to lose to, to the Giants. Daniel Jones looked, looked good. If you would have told me before the game that there would be zero combined turnovers, I, I would have called you a liar, but, um, I don't know. I don't think Carson Wentz played good and that's that's a problem when you don't play good against the Giants but I don't think he was he was bad he was just average so I think Debo's exactly right I think six wins wins this division so here's the the concern for me because I've been on this Eagles bandwagon for a while now yeah I mean you can't lose that Giants game next week it's at Cleveland Seattle at Green Bay Saints at Cardinals where are the wins coming from there? <laughs> I mean, I think all season long the Eagles have kind of played to the level of competition. So I wouldn't be surprised if they keep it close with teams like the Packers and the Seahawks. I don't expect them to win those games, but they, they played close with the Steelers. They played close with the Ravens. I expect them to do the same there. When you're two remaining division games against Washington and Dallas, and then sneak in one more, and, and you're at that six, that magic number of six, that <laughs> that's the math. You have to win one of those five incredibly tough games, and then beat Dallas and football team. They, they can beat. I mean, they can beat Cleveland. I would love for them to beat the Browns. Who would you wager on right now, Breach? Eagles minus one sixty, Giants plus two seventy five. Cowboys seven and a half to one and the WFTs eight to one. What are the Giants? Seven, seven and a half. Oh no, two, uh, two plus 275. Oh. Uh, I, absolutely the Giants. I think last week we talked about how the Giants were plus 900 and thought they were the best value bet. Like hands down, it was amazing they were plus 900. Uh, I, I think they're the best bet. I think they're the best team in this division, which doesn't say a lot because the division is absolutely horrible. Um, sorry, Debo. I didn't mean to insult your team right in front of you. And they're three, five, and one. You're not telling them something you didn't know. It's okay. I, I think the Giants are the best team in this division. And, and you look at their schedule. They've had a bunch of close losses. And no, Ryan, I'm not going to say they could be, uh, <laughs> six and four, seven and three, even though, even though they but. could be. But that tells you how good the team is because they've gone toe to toe with a lot of good teams. They went toe to toe with the Rams. Uh, they probably should have beaten the Eagles the first time around. They almost beat the Buccaneers. So there's a lot of good losses and it tells you that, Hey, these remaining teams on their schedule that could be difficult, like the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Browns, you know, maybe the Giants can beat those teams because they played so well against good teams earlier in the season. So Debo, let me ask you this because I was confused. The, the, the Eagles scored. The first touchdown went for two and got it, and that was great. Then they scored again uh, late in the third quarter to make it 21-17, and instead of kicking the extra point, they went for two. What is, what's the math Doug Peterson's doing? You, you tell me. You're the, you're the analytics. I mean, it, my, <laughs> my default at that point, I just say it, it, it's, it's the chart. It's what the chart says. Like, I have no proof of that, that that's what the chart actually says, but I, that's just what I tell myself. I think our boy Doug getting a little too cute there, but I I do not understand that math. 
21-17. Oh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Debo. Yeah, the Eagles make it 21-17. They have an opportunity to kick the extra point to make it 21-18, but they decide to go for two, get stopped, and it's 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 a four-point ball game at that point. He's on their touchdown with 520 left in the third quarter, Brinson. Yeah, third third quarter too. So it's, you know, if the Giants get another field goal, then the Eagles are, are still down a touchdown, but you know, we don't we don't have access to that that chart, but uh make it make sense. I don't know. And that leads so they so they could have gone three point down ten, they score a touchdown. If they kick the extra point, they're down three. Right. Correct. They went for two and get it. So they're down four. And there's not well, a huge I, difference between being down two or three, but there is a huge difference being down four. Right. You don't say. That well, that's point. why it was such a weird decision. I, well, I, I, I would guess here would be, here would be my guess. It's going to be horrible. What it is. Go ahead. Probably. But I mean, if you've got something better, by all means, you know, kick a field goal. That's my kick the extra point. That's no, my I'm point. saying, I'm saying that. So the, I wonder if their chart, cause you know, like Doug, uh, Doug, Always goes for it. Um, like he does a thing where if, if you're down 14 and you score and you go for two, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But what, yeah. what, so what's the matter? Well, what I'm saying is that I wonder if the chart says go for two there because it increases your win. They're doing it like strictly on win probability. And so you go for two. So you're dead. You'd be down two. So you can kick a field goal and win because the win probability in overtime. Basically equals out to fifty percent. That's that what be, it has you know. to be. I, I fully believe that. I just don't have any semblance of of belief. It didn't, of it what, didn't make sense. I'm not how it, it makes sense. sense. Correct. Yeah, I, I don't know how you get to that point. But um, yeah, Doug, tough year for Doug. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I mentioned that play because I I saw it and it didn't make sense to me at the time. And also going back to my earlier point about Joe Judge, Giants seem to be sort of buying in to whatever it is he's selling. And it's, I agree. He seems like he he's legit. Sort of implementing changes there. We'll see if he gets a new GM or whatever. But I, I think clearly his job's fine. But I think that um, Danny Dimes is sort of each week staves off the conversations about the Giants taking a draft pick because they they continue to fall further down the, the draft board, which is good for him too. And real quick, I just put a tweet in there from looks like Ben Baldwin. I remember seeing it earlier today that going for two gave the Eagles a one point eight percent chance better of winning. So it was that close. But the problem, the problem there is that. Analytics strictly takes into what is going to help you win. So it's saying you shouldn't be playing for a tie, even though you're not going to tie. So by, by, my explanation was correct. Right. Yes. That's Brinson. What Ryan looked at Brinson like, I didn't say it was incorrect. I'm dunking on Ryan. Ryan gave you the good, whatever it is. It's going to be stupid. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) It was, I mean, Brinson was essentially correct, but the thing, the problem, no, I, wasn't, I wasn't dunking on Brinson. Oh! So the issue though, is that like, it's okay to be in a situation where you need to tie the game. You don't need to be taking the lead all the time. If, if, if you don't go down and score again, there's five oh. minutes left. Would you rather be down 21, 18 or 21, 17? You want to be down 21, 18. Cause then you can play for a field goal and then hopefully get another possession. Right. So your chances of winning a football game are higher if you're up, if you're down two than if you're down three. Really? Because right. it, but that, that requires a, a huge long equation. You can't just go, Oh, look at that number smaller than that number. Because if you get the two, then now a field goal wins you the game. No, no, we understand how the math works. And I wasn't calling you stupid, Brinson. I was saying 
whatever the reason for doing it, it's idiotic if you're doing uh, it. I thought you were saying whatever I say. It was like, no, just the, the math <laughs> doesn't, I mean, yeah, I, I, well, I agreed with you. I was like, whatever. I mean, like if I explain this and I'm right. Um, so essentially at down, so they, 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 they're down 10 and they score a touchdown to be down four. Mm-hmm. Baldwin's win percentage calculator. He created a, um, it's his two point, uh, two point and like fourth down model that he created. And it's, I think it's, it, again, like you can kind of tweak this stuff, you know, I mean, like he, anyway, go for two. It gives the Eagles a 45% win percentage, kick the extra point 43. But here's the problem. If you go, so the win percentage, if you fail on the extra point or go for two is 42% regardless. If you succeed, it's 43% versus 47 if you go for two. But this is the kicker for me. In this model, the success rate of going for two is 54%. The success rate of kicking the extra point is 93%. Like, I'm sure, I guess the math works out to where, in that sense, you would still want to go for two. And you I get that if you're, if you're risk, if you're risk seeking, because if you do the math, the extra point is slightly less worth, slightly less than one point. And the the other one going for it is slightly worth slightly more than one point, but you're taking on the risk of not being able to do it. So I don't I'm think I'm just saying I'm saying like if I got a ninety three percent chance of making a three point game, I'm taking that instead of the fifty four percent chance of yeah, that's right. That's making that's a two point game. Yeah, I don't think Ben factored in Doug's trash ass play calling. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> Doug is Doug has not been in his bag. This uh, yeah, Doug is now used derisively. Doug is not a term term of endearment anymore. He, he made it's, Carson play very by the book today, which turned out hmm. to be uh not great either. What um on a scale of one to ten, what's your concern for Carson Wentz? Long term. Oh boy. Like, sure. um, no, I'm saying, you're, you're saying like beyond this season? Uh, both. I, I would say long term. It's, it's croaching up on like a, a four. I, I don't think there's any question that he'll be the, it's the like, week one. like a normal person's eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he'll be, I don't think there's any question he'll be the, the week one starter in 2021. Uh, uh, this season is super weird to see someone regress to that level when you've seen kind of his, his peaks at certain points. I'm not giving up. It's not Jalen Hurts' time quite yet. Yeah, I think the the one snap I saw from Jalen Hurts is he fumbled it. I don't know what else he did, but, yeah, I think – I don't know. I just feel like my whole thing with the Eagles were, okay, Carson Wentz decided to play with a crappy offensive line because he's used to it and he doesn't know those receivers, and it just didn't look like that against the Giants. So that, that concerns yeah, me. I mean, we could say uh, – we can move on after that, but – Doug Peterson off the bye is not the same as everybody's boy, Andy Reid, off the bye. One and four now for Doug and whatever that record is for Andy at this point. 18 and two, something like that. Mm. One and four off the bye is bad. That is bad. What, like, what does he do during the bye week? Clearly not, uh, refine his analytical method. <laughs> is he like oh, doing no. like the Adam Gase Thanksgiving plan or something? What is that? <laughs> That's where you act like you're really busy and you don't have time for your family and then show up and get blasted by the, by the Raiders. Or no, but the Bengals. Was it the Bengals who blasted them? Somebody blasted them. You show up blasted, and that explains why you blasted the people. <laughs> no, it was last year. Gase was like, I mean, I didn't have time to hang out with my family. Like, I had to ditch my family on Thanksgiving, and then he got, like, lost to the, the Bengals by 30 points at home. The Lions beat the Washington football teamers 
30 to 27 on a bomb from Matt Prater to end the game. The Lions covered minus two and a half, the over 45 and a half hit. Matthew Stafford had three touchdown passes. DeAndre Swift, kind of a breakout game here for the rookie out of Georgia, who uh, I believe he rushed for a touchdown or catch a touchdown. He caught a touchdown oh pass. Five catches, 68 yards, and a touchdown. 16 carries, 81 yards. Reports early on Sunday morning were that he was going to get a, a bunch of the workload, and that was turned out to be the case. Um, Alex Smith may have sewn up his comeback player of the year award. 390 passing yards in this game. Terry McLaurin, another good game for him. Washington, this I mean, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, Reese probably watched this game. I'm trying to – I think the reason that um, there was a, a, a possibility of 59-yard field goal is because Chase Young shoved Matthew Correct. Stafford, and that that's the backbreaker. Like, you can't – it wasn't even a hard shove, but you can't shove him four steps into the – after the ball's been released, and, and that sort of turned the tide there. Uh, I'm happy for Alex Smith. I – you know, every time he runs, I'm like, please just go out of bounds. I feel like actually the players on the team take it easy on him, and I'm fine with that. It's like when your granddad plays in the in the Turkey Day family football game. You're like, all right, we're not going to kill Pops. We're just going to take it easy on him. I'm fine with that. <laughs> the Chase Young is a backbreaker. Yeah. The Lions led this game 24-3 to with like six minutes left in the third quarter, and it seemed like it was going to be a blowout at that point. And then Alex Smith, it really felt like he got more comfortable as the game went on. Like, remember, this guy had not started a football game in more than 700 days. Like, imagine you finally prepare all week, you get out in the field, and then, uh, you know, they got off to a rough start. Washington did. They got down inside Detroit's 20-yard line and then ended up punting somehow. They got inside the 20-yard line and ended up punting. Um, Wait, what? Yeah. They, they got they got down to Detroit's 14 yard line and then ended up facing a fourth and 27 and punted the ball. <laughs> so it was total craziness. Uh, but it was cool to see Alex Smith lead that comeback. So I'll just say that the Lions, you know, if they would have lost, they blew the game. It's a game they should have won after they were up 24 three and they ended up winning it. So, uh, so you Briscoe know. says the Lions have to go to the playoffs for Patricia and Bob Quinn to save their jobs. Are you on board with that? What if they go nine and seven and miss the playoffs? Mm, I don't think they get fired for nine seven. Jim Caldwell got fired for going nine seven back to back years. I don't know if you heard about that. I'm sure there's something <laughs> different about Matt Patricia and Jim Caldwell. Do the Lions have any shot of going nine and seven? No. Uh, maybe. How many more times do they play the Redskins? Uh, oh, put it in thing. We need a sound drop for that. Oh, I mean, they should have beaten the Bears in Week One. Oh, don't start with that. Oh come on, they were up by. Just... Are they going to win nine games? So they have uh the Panthers next week, the Texans, the win. Bears, Packers, Titans, Bucks, and Vikings. That's a no. They're not going to win. I that. think they could win three more. Yeah, I guess them to seven. That ain't. They could still. They could still four more. Maybe they'll go undefeated. They'll be. Did they get fired if they go eight and eight? I say no. Why? I'm not suggesting. I'm not answering whether I think they should be fired or not. I just don't understand the, the the program is going backwards. What what are we doing? I mean, they're they're probably bad. I'm trying to find this. Uh, did you see that article from uh, Kalen Kaler? Oh yeah, with the the mimosas. Yeah, 
that about? Like Lions players said they were so excited the 2019 season was ending and they wouldn't have to see Patricia again that they started getting drunk on mimosas before the last team meeting of the year. This is all from Kaylin Kaylor Bleacher Report. Uh, huh. And that is hilarious that the Lions players seem to have as much disdain or Patricia, as you do, Wilson. Real quick. Uh, on clean out day at the end of the 2018 season, there was a tangible sense of relief in the Lions locker room. It had been a long and difficult transition under first time head coach Matt Patricia's Patriot like culture. Uh, there was a lot of y'all have fun because I am gone. People talk about how there was no way they were going to resign back in Detroit. Then safety Glover Quinn says players blasted music that entire week, turning the locker room into a fun house, a quote fun house because quote guys were over it really. They were over the season. They were over everything. One player's agent had sent him champagne for a Christmas gift, and he had kept it in his locker waiting for the right moment to uncork the celebration. Saying goodbye to Patricia, at least until OTA, seemed like just the reason to party. Before the Lions' last team meeting, mid-morning, a group of 10 to 15 players took orange juice from the cafeteria and mixed it with champagne to make mimosas. They chilled and sipped out of solo cups, finally relaxing for a season of long practices. I mean, basically, it's just they don't like him. And this is this long article about why... That never, that never works. Not the players, like the coaching. Like we just talked about Matt Rule. We talked about Joe Judge, Brian Flores. Like this whole Bill Parcells act, if that's, there's any truth to it, just, I don't think it works in 2020. I don't think it doesn't get you very far, except that, you know, you get written up in Bleacher Report about players trying to get drunk just to deal with you. Hmm. Yeah. And you're talking about breaking them back. All right. Well, 11 and five, here we come. I mean, it's, Okay. Anyway, this what are we we still talking about these teams. Let's move on. The Steelers rolled the Bengals. Oh, he missed. He missed. Thirty-six to ten. That actually didn't miss. I'm just playing that again for some reason. Steelers by six and a half covers. Thanks for nothing. Breach the over forty-five and a half hits. Ben Roethlisberger went bananas. Yeah, yeah, Johnson and Chase Claypool both had seventeen fantasy points as well. Big Ben thirty-seven. Whew, huge game. And the Steelers rolled the Bengals. Wilson, your team won. Take your dunking lap. Wait, before Ryan takes his dunking lap, I would like to say one thing. I did, honestly did not know what the final score of this game was because I stopped watching at 29-7. to 7. That's all. Your boy, Zach Thomas, Zach Taylor, Thomas, whatever his name is, <laughs> never kicked a field goal down 30. It actually, it was 37-10, to did not it? Yeah, yeah, it was 30. You know what? It was 37 to 10, but it was 37 to 7 or something. It was 36 to 7. And you know what, Brinson? Maybe some people teased that point spread to 28 points and they lost some money there. Good for Zach Taylor. He kicked a field goal down 36 to 7. I would have done the same thing. And then he basically took knees to end the game. It was pathetic. I wouldn't have done that. Joe Burrow. He, he, he ran the ball with two minutes and 40 seconds left in the game and let the clock go down to the two minute warning and then ran two plays afterwards and just called the dogs off. So, um, you know, I sort of not joke. I'm serious. Uh, Big Ben is in the MVP conversation and he's in the MVP, MVP conversation because he has, what does he have? 22 touchdowns, four interceptions. And, uh, he's playing at a pretty high level. How many passes? Let me try to find his stats here for this year. Completing 69% of his throws. Oh, no, sorry. That was, that was one game. Where's the God? Come on. Stats. 68% of his throws. Thank you. 22 and four. Um, typically in a Big Ben year. He'd have 10 to 12 interceptions by now and would have cost them two or three losses. So he's playing well. And, and the good news is, and, you know, 
Breach can tell you this. There are a ton of injuries on the, on the Bengals. They lost um, at least one cornerback during the game. Roethlisberger's throwing the ball. Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Claypool, Ebron, James Washington had a couple catches. So, I mean, he has so many weapons. Uh, the defense is, they had two turnovers. I think, uh, were they both on special teams breach? I can't remember. But, um, Seagulls had no turnovers. And Joe Burrow said that, and Joe, I love Joe Burrow. He's like, we're not going to win football games when I play terribly. And he hurt his ankle right before halftime. He got pushed into the bench and I, he sort of, sort of somehow rolled it up. And they asked him if he's going to come out. He goes, I'm not coming out. I'm not coming out for any reason. And that's what you want to hear from your franchise quarterback, but they, they got to do a better job protecting them. We've been saying that each and every week. So the Bengals are not going to make any noise this year, but I think they're going to be a good football team and, and, and at some point in the future. Brian, they can still make noise this year. Don't write them off. I know, using your math. I mean, they just say like they might eat some Cincinnati chili and like fart a bunch. <laughs> they could win all the remaining games if this is, and that happens. That's me. Eating, eating. Could they beat Washington? Yes. Could they beat the Giants? That's going to be a good game. Could they beat the yeah. Cowboys? Yeah, they should. Could they beat the Texans? What are you doing? I'm just saying all those games are on their schedule. What are you There's doing? a lot of wins there. There's a <laughs> lot of wins there. What are you doing? Did you have any, uh, were you under any, uh, impression that the, the, the Bengals would have a chance in this game? Cause you know, we said last week that Steelers sucked against the Cowboys and they typically play down to their opponents. Um, I will be honest. After the Bengals fumbled the ball and lost it, they were down 12 nothing at that point. And in my head, I'm like, it's over. If the Steelers score here, the game's over. I don't even need to watch the rest of this. They did. But score. then, then the Steelers went three and out and they punted. I was like, okay, okay, this is good. And then after the Steelers did that three and out and punted, the Bengals drove 90 yards and scored a touchdown. All of a sudden it was 12 to seven. And I was like, all right, okay, this is interesting. This game might actually be good. Uh, and then the Steelers outscored them 24 to three the rest of the way and it was over. T Higgins is good. I'm angry that I fell for that again. I say that. Yeah, every- me too. That was stupid. He's good. Look, the Steelers are really good. I don't think the Steelers are as good as their record. No, they're no good teams. Yeah. <laughs> They're like the are they the worst nine and team ever? I guess. I mean I don't even know who are the other ones. Yeah, sure. The last one the the last like low like was the two thousand fifteen Panthers. All the nine and teams, none of them won the Super Bowl, so it doesn't matter. Mm. I, I mean all... Chiefs the Chiefs went nine and zero in twenty thirteen and didn't even make it out of the wild card round. Right, exactly. This is this is a car look, this is a carbon copy of the Ravens Bengals game. Just a a bigger brother with a decent defense flexing muscles on the little kid who is like riding a trike with training wheels around the block. Yeah. No, Joe Burrow's going to be good. T Higgins is good. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I was AJ Green in this game. I didn't even see him anywhere. Breach. Five targets, no catches. Yeah. All right. That is actually better than it sounds because it was worse than that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yikes. I, I'm worried about Joe Burrow's health. Fair enough. He's tough and he, you know, he's, he wants to take a beating, but you, you got to, I don't know how you figure it out. How, where are you on the Zach Taylor conversation breach? Uh, I don't think, you know, like, I think being Tennessee, he's done well enough. Ryan, have you heard of the, uh, there's this place in, um, Egypt. It's a river. Denial. Yes. Denial. Where are you breach? I'm not asking to read, read off his resume. Where is John breach on Zach Taylor? I think that Zach Taylor deserves at least one more year. No matter what happens this season, I think he's done well enough. To, uh, you know, I don't think you fire him after one season with Joe. What Burrow. if on every time 
the the Bengals are down ten points. They score a touchdown every time he goes for two and fails. I mean, then you're talking about hypothetical situations that I don't want to get into. Otherwise, the podcast will last three more hours. Um, All right. Why has he contract. done? Why has he done well enough to get a third year? He's four. Rage hates change. That's all he said. Four, what, what were the Bengals' expectations this year? What, what, you didn't think they were going to be good. Like, what, what were their expectations? I mean, they have two wins. Let me put it to you this way. Would you and rather have... They have a tie. Let me put it to you this way. Would you rather have Zach Taylor, Brian Flores, Joe Judge, or Matt Rule? We're talking about Anthony Lynn maybe not getting fired when he has way more talent. We're talking about it, like Adam Gase. He's not fired yet either. Like, well, because that's not a similar situation. Anthony Lynn has a bunch of one-score losses, as does Zach Taylor. Okay. All right, you're fine with him. I, I'm... He's got four one-score losses. It, two of those games go the other way. All of a sudden, you're four, four, and one. Why do people in Cincinnati have this weird loyalty to, like, media, what? Mediocrity? Failure? To yeah. Failure, Brinson? <laughs> it's not even mediocrity. It's failure. You're like... We gotta give any well, when that's all you know growing up, you just come to accept it. It's it's part of you. The darkness, it's just it's a pit. The Bengals were good when you were growing up. They didn't win a Super Bowl, Ryan. They didn't the Reds won a bunch of World Series. Did the Reds won one in my lifetime? By the way, fun fact: uh, if you're a Steelers fan, not if you're a Pirates fan, if the Steelers went out all the way to the Super Bowl, they will have more wins in the 2020 season than the Pirates did. <laughs> that is a fun fact. That's a fun fact. That's crazy. Yeah, pirates aren't apparently not very good at baseball. Pirates are terrible. Uh, that's exactly what I was thinking of when I was thinking about it. like people were like, "Oh, like we'll still root for the pirates." It's like just stop. Uh, all right, we got a couple more games. Let's get through these. Browns, te- Browns ten, Texans seven. I mean, the only look, the only thing to talk about this game is like, did Nick Chubb do the right thing or did he screw fantasy managers, fantasy managers and gamblers when he sprinted? He had a jailbreak late. The wind was awful in this game. The Texans Delayed couldn't do anything. Minutes. What's that? Thirty minute delay because of the weather. Thirty minute delay because of the weather. Uh, the Browns got an early field goal and then Chubb got a touchdown in the second half. They're up 10 nothing. The Texans march and like somehow put together a touchdown drive. 10 seven. The, uh, the Browns are just, I mean, just gashing them in the, in the run game because I had the Kareem Hunt over prop. Um, they're I'm just trashing the Texans in the run 231 game. 231 rushing yards. Yes. And, uh, and they had like 120 coming in the fourth quarter, maybe. Like they, the fourth quarter, they just got loose on him. So Chubb <laughs> breaks one loose, a long jailbreak. And then right as he gets the one yard line, he steps out of bounds instead of going in for the score, which allowed Baker Mayfield to take a knee. The Browns win the game that way. Do you do the right thing? You know what? At during the, the post game conversation, both Pete Prisco and Jamie Eisberg thought he did. No, they'd have been up by, what was it? What was they been up by? They'd have been up 17 to seven. Not, have you seen the Texans play? 80 mile an hour winds. The weather was terrible. There's no way they're coming back. I, I'm, I don't care that you ran out of bounds. It's fine. But I mean, if you score a touchdown there, it's not the same situation as Todd Gurley a few weeks ago. Well, I'll say that by, by not scoring the touchdown, you eliminate potential injuries. Cause oh. you just go there and take a knee and you're done with the game instead of having to like do the extra point. Everybody does the kickoff. Oh, no, everybody... I'm not about that. I thought you meant if they, by going out of bounds, there's a chance you, you get injured on the subsequent place. No, you're not getting injured on an extra point or just take a knee on the extra point. Then you're so worried about it. No, but I'm saying that, like, you don't, like, the, the, then you have to kick off and then the Texans run a bunch of plays and your defense is back out there in the field instead of it's just, it's over. So I, I think you did the right thing. That's annoying. I, I didn't carry the way. And, you know, if you score a touchdown, your win probability is like 99.8%. If you kneel it, it's 
If you run out of bounds, the win probability is 100%. Yeah, you cannot lose by stopping at the well, one-yard no, line. You, know, like, I mean, you could fumble the snap. You could fumble the snap, but... Yeah. That's not 100%. Well, it's as close to 100% as you can get without actually being 100%. Let me ask you this. Um, unless you have some more questions about the Browns. I want to ask quickly about... I was going to press the dunk on button. No, go ahead. Oh, uh, you can do that. Um, it's fine. I don't know if JLC reported this, but there was a report out there before the games on Sunday that... The Texans think about bringing Romeo Cornell back. What, what are we, what's going on? Jack Easterby is a disaster. Is this the, this job is worse than the Jess job, by the way. Yeah. I don't, I don't think whoever, whoever takes this job is not lasting long. Like this is the worst job in the NFL. Maybe. Maybe you have Deshaun Watson, which is huge. And what else? You have draft picks? Do you have Will salary Fuller. cap space? Will Fuller. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You got two players. He's a free agent though. Yeah. I mean, like they, they're reportedly, they, they want to sign him to an extension. You have no draft picks. You have no salary cap space. You have an unhappy franchise icon in JJ Watt. Um, you have Deshaun Watson who signed a contract, which is great, but he's also regressed this year, holds the ball way too long. You have Larry Tunsil on the highest offensive lineman, co- uh, left tackle contract in football. Um, it's not good, man. And Romeo Cornell is 73. Like, what kind of contract are you even giving him? It's not like you can give him a three-year deal. You can't put somebody that old in charge of something that important. And then you get him a uh, one-year, you know, you put him a one-year deal. He's a lame duck coach every year, and you don't need that either. It's it's always, The only reason you hire Romeo Cornell is because you don't think you can hire anybody else. You don't know what you're doing. That's the right answer. Or you think uh, that the owner is going to hire, you know, some big-time coach who wants to get rid of bringing his own front office. Yeah, so you're going to yeah, lose yeah, your job. Remember, Jack used to be worked with Romeo Cornell in Kansas City when he was the head coach there after he was promoted from Denver. And the, the Texans just fired their PR person in the middle of the season. Amy Pavlovich, yeah, she um, apparently they said she wasn't a culture fit. She, which is what? Well, she made some tweets. Some she was tweeting about the election, basically. Is she the only one in the in the NFL that tweeted about the election? She was not. The only one who worked for the Texans. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, all right. Raiders and Broncos. Wow, final game. Raiders and Broncos. God, the Broncos suck. Raiders minus three covers the under 50 and a half hits. Josh Jacobs dominates. Devontae Booker almost also dominated. John Gruden gave him a revenge game against his old team. Drew Locke had seven touchdowns in the fourth quarter coming into this game. He had one in this matchup, but the Broncos aren't great, and the Raiders are pretty good. Drew Locke is – I'm one of the idiots to pick the, the Broncos to go to the playoffs because I thought Drew Locke would take the necessary steps and with all the weapons around him. Uh, Yeah. Corlin Sutton's hurt. Von Miller's hurt. I get all that. I don't yeah. care. You need to be playing better. You can't throw four interceptions, some of them uh, of the truly terrible variety. On the other side, every week, Derek Carr is captain check down, and he's doing it better than anyone on planet Earth. Credit to him. Credit to John Gruden. The defense still isn't great, but it's fine. They're, they can find their form. I mean, they're, they feel like a playoff team. I don't know how far they're going to go, but that doesn't matter. The fact that they, they continue to get better is, is, uh, good enough for me. Ryan, the defense would be great. They get to play the Broncos every week. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Get to force five turnovers. That was insane. Um, but this is like John Gruden football. I, I, you know, I'm sure he'd love to see Derek Carr take the occasional deep shot, but Derek when... Carr's way a lot. Deep a lot more often now. Oh yeah, no, he's done it a lot this season. It's almost like Gruden just pulled him aside, like, "Look, bro, I don't know how much longer you can be my quarterback if you don't start don't start taking deep shots." Because Derek Carr has definitely been much much better 
I mean, Princeton hasn't been complaining about him all season. That alone tells you that he's been, he has well. been much better this season. Uh, but that's it. You, you know, the Raiders, Derek Carr, all he had to do was hand the ball off. He did a good job of that. Josh Jacobs and Devontae Booker did the bet, did the rest. Yeah. Raiders are a tough, Raiders are a spicy team. They can put up points. They, they gave the Chiefs their only loss. Yep. Uh, all right. Let's get to winners and losers. Let's talk about some winners and breach. We will start with you. Give me your winner for the week. Uh, you know, I could go obvious here, but I'll let one of you guys have the biggest play or that team. I'm going to go the Hail Murray. I'm not going with the Hail Murray. I thought about it. I'm going with the New York Giants. Uh, one, because Debo is an Eagles fan, but mostly because look, if any other team, if you're three and seven, your season's over, you're trash. Uh, your, your season's basically viewed as a failure. If that's your record through 10 weeks, the New York Giants, no, they are all of a sudden a half game out of the playoff race. The best team in the division going to the playoffs. That's disrespectful to Debo. My winner, Brian Flores or B-Flow, as I call him. I don't call him that. And the Miami Dolphins. Uh, we talked about their turnaround earlier in uh, this podcast. Tua's getting better. Breach points out he's not hit his stride yet. Uh, when he does, watch out. I don't think this team's winning the division, but I feel like they're going to the playoffs, and that's a huge turnaround from uh, just 12 months ago when they were oh, literally 0-7. Enormous turnaround. Um, I will say that uh, my winner is Kyler Murray. I will take the obvious bait because you guys went with in different directions. Murray, like, I really think, you know, there are going to be, you know, there would be questions about how they, like, how they lost the game and how they played against Buffalo and a bad defense. And he, he had a good game, but didn't have an epic game. And all of a sudden you throw that bomb, you complete that Hail Mary and you're tied for first place in the division. You are rocketing into the MVP conversation. You have some real legitimate wins on your resume between being the Seahawks and being the Bills. And you feel like if you're Arizona that you, might have a, enough pieces in place where you're going forward thinking we're we are a playoff team, we can make a playoff push, and who knows what can happen once we get in. Now, I don't think a lot will happen, but they have good pieces on both sides of the ball, so I will say Kyler Murray and the Cardinals are a winner here. How about a loser, Breach? Uh, my loser is Nick Chubb Fantasy Owners because I am one of them. Uh, I cried actual tears when he went out of bounds at the one-yard line. It took me 10 minutes of silence before I was able to get over it. So to all you other Nick Chubb fantasy owners, I completely empathize with you. My loser is the Baltimore Ravens. Um, they had a chance to beat what is not a great Patriots team. And instead they lost that game on some pretty crappy offensive play. The running, the uh, defense couldn't stop the running game. And now they're tied with the Browns in the division. They're both three games back of the Steelers. And Brinson, you mentioned it looks like the Steelers may have wrapped up the division already. It sure does. Um, I will say that my losers are the Houston Texans for all the reasons we mentioned before. The fact that like this team, I mean, they scored, I get that the weather was bad, but they can't stop anybody on defense. Deshaun Watson is again regressing. Jack Easterby is going to hire Romeo Cornell on a full-time basis. I mean, everything about the Texans screams five-year debacle where you just drafted a franchise quarterback, a guy who's one of the most exciting young players in the league, and you're going to absolutely squander his prime years while he's under contract because 
of a power struggle that resulted in a chaplain from New England getting a hold of this team's front office. And I think that the Texans are heading into a darker place than they are now. And things are already pretty dark, especially when you consider they're giving up their first top, their first round pick and their second round pick to the Dolphins next year. Ryan's big winners. And that's only going to make Miami stronger and only make Houston worse. All right. That's the show. That's it. Tomorrow, we'll have a Monday night preview with Mike McClure of Sportsline. We smashed our props last time. We're going to smash them again on Monday. So make sure and check that out. For Ryan and John, I'm Will. Thanks for listening and watching. See you guys later. There's a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.